0: Welcome you back tonight, appreciate you being here, surviving the uh, midwinter Kansas blizzard we are having. We are in Sunday nights working through a series called Unswerving, and the, the whole basis for that series is, as we talked about last week, comes from a verse in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 is uh, the writer is setting up for Hebrews chapter 11. You can talk about all these great stories of faith. And we said last week that the Hebrew writer was addressing um, the, the, those Israelites who had been converted to Christianity and the many sacrifices that they would have to make as a result of that conversion. So he sums up all the ways in which Jesus is better, reminds them that that's a very important uh, thing to remember as they go along. That though they have to pay a lot of prices, uh, those price, whatever it is that they might have to pay, is very much worth it. In investment terms, you might call it uh, ROI, return on investment. Our basis is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. And that scripture says, let us, sorry, verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We talked about those three verses last week. I did that as setting up the basis for this whole series. What we're going to do is then, as we go through each week of the Bible, daily Bible reading, I'm going to pick one of the stories from that week's reading and talk a little bit about how this character or these people demonstrated the story, how they demonstrated faith, how they uh, looked at faith, what they thought about it, how they grew in faith, perhaps. So this series really is about faith, not just of those characters, but to help us increase our faith. It's about our journey with God because he is faithful, then we can hold on, even if we lose everything else. This week's reading is the lesson of a leper, and it's found in Matthew chapter 8. And this is from, from story uh, from day three of the Northside 90 Day Bible program. So if you're keeping up with that, you would have read this about Tuesday, just by show of hands. How many of you are, are still uh, committed to Northside 90 Days and you're, you're hanging in there? All right, hey, we are uh, eight days into it, so you're almost 10% there. And I want to definitely encourage you uh, to keep us posted on how you're doing. We came from our... Small group tonight and they were having lots of discussion about how it was going with, you know, these are families with young children and, and newly married and all of that. And I think that's a wonderful thing. It's very encouraging and it's good to see our families going through it together. Uh, if you have social media, being able to share that has one of the things that we talked about tonight, the unintended consequence of Sharing without being, you know, I think the the thing people fear the most in being a person of faith is oh having to share faith. I mean they just don't see themselves, you hear that. Oh, it's not my gift. I just don't I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. But goodness, I mean, if you've got a Facebook page or, or any of the other kind of pages and you just share, hey, this is what we're doing, automatically you reach people that I couldn't reach people that are in your circle of influence who follow you or, or you know, they're friends with you or uh, friend, uh, family members or people that you've known from from days in the past. So please keep up with that. Uh, we'd like to, to to know how you're doing with it. So uh, I'm glad that you are hopefully participating and thank you to those of the, uh, of you who are aren't giving up. We are almost uh, one tenth of the way through. Let's go to Matthew chapter eight. And here we read Matthew's writing this way. When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. All right. The first thing we might ask is, uh, what is leprosy? Uh, We always think of uh, people with uh, that have these sores and things that cover their body. And that was part of it, specifically in the Old Testament, Leviticus dealt with how the people of God were to deal with diseases. Now Keep in mind, this is before any sort of medical understanding technology or anything like that. But basically what he said was, you have someone with leprosy, and sometimes in the translation it will say uh, something like... Uh, Various skin diseases, they'll have a little footnote down there or something. So it didn't necessarily, it could have been any number of things. Uh, but it, it had to show itself by sores, and they, the priest would look at it, and he was looking for certain things, certain criteria that made it infectious. And, you know, if you can if you can work through Leviticus 13, uh, you'll figure out all the details of what they had to go through whenever, you know, oh, got a rash, ugh. I haven't seen that before. What is it? And the priest would, would look for these things, and once they found them, if they make the diagnosis, bad news for you. you were going to begin a quarantine, a time of isolation. And that could that may well have been your whole life. It may have been just for a time, but you couldn't be with your people. That meant leaving your, your tribe, your family. It meant leaving everything familiar and going to live with people who were a lot like you. So in Jesus' day, we have uh, this incident in Matthew chapter 8 where they are working. They, they, he and the apostles are traveling, and uh, they come across one of them. And in the, at least in the recording of Jesus healing a leper, there seems to be two incidents. One is in Luke 17. And that's a story of ten lepers, and, and only one comes back to thank him. And then this uh, story that we're looking at tonight is repeated. It's in Matthew chapter 8, which so we're going to look at tonight, and then Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 5. And this seems to be the story of one man who wonders if Jesus can heal him too. And he has to have pretty great faith to do what he does. As we think about the lepers... There's some comparisons that are not maybe immediately obvious because, you know, we can read over Matthew chapter 8, Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 5 easily and say, well, that's an interesting story. It doesn't really apply to me, you know, although my skin is intact and I don't have any sores and I can't relate to anything like that. There are people who we might call, I mean, there are lepers, literal lepers today, people with leprosy and they... So I still have the colonies and all that, but more commonly are people who have some sort of affliction, some sort of guilt, shame, sin that they've committed, uh, things that they just, like, they can't shake off. That was not uncommon in, in youth ministry, to watch a kid, and at some point that kid stopped showing up. you know, And eventually that would appear on the radar, it's like, okay, where is... Is that person? I hadn't seen him in a while. Most of the time, it came down to they were involved in sin and feel right about coming to God or being in God's presence or, or worshiping with the church or coming to Bible class because they just they just couldn't. They just had this mentality that I've messed up too bad, and so they gave themselves spiritual leprosy. Lepers, once diagnosed, lived a very isolated and lonely life. Go back to Leviticus 13. The law says this. The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes. Let his hair be unkempt. Cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. This wasn't just ostracism. I mean, it was really for the safety of the group. It was for the safety of the of the people of Israel. You have a situation like that where, it's, especially where it's infectious, uh, even if you like that person a whole lot, it's gonna it's gonna bring harm. And one of the verses in the Old Testament that when Moses is relaying all these laws, in fact, there's a book based on it. It says that I, the Lord, have given you these laws so that you may have none of these diseases. And the, the, the book, uh, the, the scholar, I can't remember his name at the moment, but he goes through and and looks at all of these laws that, you know, are the killer of many a daily Bible reading plan. And he says this was, from a medical perspective, here's what that did. Here's what this allowed them, you know, when disease came in physical. Disease came into the camp, here's how it saved the nation. So we might view it as cruel, but it was really more uh, loving than anything else. Verse 46, as long as he has the infection, he, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. If we think about spiritual leprosy, We, too, because of sin, at one time were far off from God, alienated from God, distant from his people. Uh, in, In the case of spiritual leprosy, the good news is it doesn't have to stay that way. Physical leprosy... The leper, you know, just it was just waiting and praying and hoping that, that the sore changed, that the skin got better that, to the point where he could go back to the priest. The spiritual leprosy for these p- people, maybe maybe even some here tonight, you, know, just, you just hide the sin, you, you carry it around all the time, or you even stop going, you stop being a part of the church. Uh, that, that, that can change instantaneously if you want to. At one time, if you're a Christian, you made the choice that you were going to put sin behind you and that you were going to, to immerse yourself in the waters of baptism, put on Christ, and become his child, become a member of his body, become his bride. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 reminds us of this. Paul writes there, Remember... That at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. And he's speaking here to Gentiles, right? And he's saying to them, hey, at one time you didn't have the option even. Even if you wanted to, it didn't change your genealogy, so you couldn't be a part of the promise. But now in Christ, you can change that. Verse 13, but now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. The good news is we don't have to be alone anymore. Now, I got a, I got a note over here. Poor Shauna, she's the leper of the group tonight. Way over there outside the camp. Shauna, you can change. In a moment, you can come back. It, it, is, it is easy to be sort, become sort of inwardly focused. Um, uh, going back to the youth group illustration, it was easy for parents to become inwardly focused. I, I, I want my kid. To be here, and I, I, I don't want them, I don't want other kids to come in who might be a bad influence. I, So you kind of became this protectionist, isolationist mentality. We got to close the wagons and keep the church pure and keep the youth group pure. And boy, that's not what the church is supposed to be about. Now, you can't drag them, you know, you can't force them to come back into the camp, but we should never stop inviting them. We should never not stop leaving the invitation open for repentance and change. God forgive us when we, when we are so focused on just the gathered that we forget about the ungathered. Those who are not yet drawn back near. Like lepers at one time or another, we, we too may have wondered. And this is interesting. In verse 2... Uh, he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The faith here is is not in whether or not Jesus had the ability to cure him. I mean, what, whatever the circumstance was, perhaps he had heard stories, perhaps he had seen it, I don't know. But however he knew, he knew that Jesus could do it. He didn't doubt his ability What he doubted was his will. Whether he wanted to or not. Mark chapter 1 verse 40. The same account in Mark's version. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. Is what the scripture says. If you are willing. You can make me clean. I I love that the, the writers emphasize that the leper th- doubted if Jesus was willing, not whether he was able or not. Because if we're honest, I, we've all been there at some point. It's not that we doubt Jesus' or God's ability to do what he wants and to heal who he wants and to bring cleansing where he wants, but we're not so sure if he wants to with us. This is the "I'm so bad, I, I could never make it right. You know, I've, I've done some horrible things. You don't know my story. You can't relate. And that may be true, um, but that doesn't mean God and His desire doesn't change. I think He wants everyone. I know He does. Turn to second Peter, chapter three, verse nine. Peter writes this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his as Some understand slowness. He is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish. But everyone to come to repentance. As we're reading through this parable of, of that Jesus told earlier this week. About the shepherd with a hundred sheep. That shepherd had the mindset, yeah, yeah, I know we got 99. You know, we we worry about like how many, you know, when the kids graduate as seniors, how many of them will stay faithful? And, you know, you hear various statistics. I'm not sure how they come about those statistics. But here's, here's, at least from as Jesus tells it, the heart of a shepherd, which is there's 99% success rate. And even in 99% of success, the heart of a good shepherd says, yeah, but there's one who's not. There's one who's wandering, lost, who's fallen away. Boy, I think if we could say, boy, 99%, we got a 99% success rate, we'd be pretty proud of ourselves, patting ourselves on the back, you know. We'd be teaching other churches how to do what we do. And Jesus says, that's not what my father is like. Nothing less than 100% as far as souls redeemed, as far as people made clean, is what he wants. We can easily write people off. I, you know, eh, eh, not that big a deal. But I mean, Jesus knit Together, every single person in the womb. Your father saw your unformed body. And that's true of everyone. The heart of the father, the heart of the the, the shepherd is that none should be lost. That all should be made clean. So don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on those who you think, oh, I just write them off. Because our doubt, like the lepers, often centers about around more on Jesus' ability. Why would he care for me? What if he doesn't care for me? I... Probably the best illustration in the, the worst story I hate sharing is from many years ago, not even here. I was talking with a teenager who was going through some trouble, I mean some real stuff. And I was trying to, you know, take the heart of a shepherd. You know, come on, lost sheep, come come back. And his response at one point in the conversation was this. I know God loves me. I'm just not sure he likes me. That made me think. If you're here tonight with that Heart, You need to know that your father not only loves you, but he likes you too. And that doesn't mean he's proud of you. Messed up that doesn't mean he's. That that, that those things may not have consequences. But our father. His heart is for 100 percent. And so even though. We were alone, even though at sometimes we've wondered. In spite of all that, Jesus still healed us. the The, the phrase in the scripture is um, "be clean," and the, the, in the original language, it's literally "made clean." Like Jesus is not. <laughs> He's not saying be clean like, okay, go try harder, go wash yourself off and go, go make yourself better. He's saying, he's pronouncing, you're clean. Showing both his ability and his will. And this is important because I think we, we can't forget that it's not us who determines who can and can't be made clean. You remember the story in Acts chapter 10 of Peter, and he's at Cornelius' house, and he has this vision, Acts chapter 10, verses 9 and following. He has this vision, and Scripture tells us this. <clears throat> A voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. He says, surely not, Lord. It's only Peter you know, could have that kind of attitude. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Now, he's a devout, religious Jew. He sees all these unclean animals, this giant sheep, this vision of all of these animals that from, from his whole life, from his earliest memories, he's been told not to eat, not to eat, not to eat. These are unclean. Many Jewish people had that view of Gentiles. And this is the point God's trying to make. He says, the voice spoke a second time and says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Sometimes we can get into a mentality. Hey, yeah, 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 they're a Christian, but you know, in our minds we kind of have a little asterisk by their name. Eh, I don't know. I mean, have you heard their story? Have you heard their history? As then it is now, when Jesus makes you clean, he makes you clean. And it's the job of the church not to get all worried about who God cleans. But instead to have the heart of saying, OK, you're clean. Now, let's help you. Let's let's grow you and mature you and, and, and do what we can to help you grow in Christ. You wouldn't be here tonight if. Someone hadn't been that dedicated to you. So may we have that same attitude. Interestingly, uh, along these, I, this, this line of thinking, uh, turn over in your Bibles to Isaiah 53. And I was thinking about this pronouncement that Jesus made. Be clean. You are clean. Made clean. Yeah, that was something more than even the priest did. I mean, the priest simply said, he looked at the, the sore and he pronounced, okay, this person's okay. Jesus tells him the leper to go and and wash and present yourself to the priest so that under the law he was fully clean he wasn't saying to do that he wasn't saying that gosh you know you haven't done that th- you know jesus pronouncement wasn't good enough he was just saying according to the law here's what you need to do so go do that even though jesus knew he was already clean how it was that jesus made him clean is you know something we fully can't understand on the side of spiritual leprosy, how it is that Jesus makes us clean can be a little bit more understood in Isaiah 53, the story, the prophecy of the suffering servant, and you know this pronouncement hundreds of years before he was on the scene. What does he say about him? Uh, we are in about verse three. He was despised and rejected by man. A, a, By men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. Sounds similar to anybody. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Sound familiar? Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. And yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, sound familiar? We are healed. In case you're not following, Jesus became a leper, spiritually speaking, to heal us of our own spiritual leprosy. When he pronounced him clean, he was setting up for what would be the greatest cleansing in all of human history. This beautiful sacrifice that he was going to make. His body was whipped and lashed. His hands were pierced with our nails. His head was struck with a staff. His brow was pierced with a crown of thorns. His face was covered in spit. His body was struck and slapped and bruised, his skin broken open. His tongue tasted the bitter gall of our iniquity, his ears, the insults and the curses. He, as Scripture says, became sin for us. A leper would read Isaiah 53 and go, Whoever this guy is, the prophet's talking about, he sounds like one of us. Jesus didn't have physical leprosy, but what he took on at the cross, very similar to what lepers would understand. They would relate to that very much. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. First Peter 2.24, this is for your handout if you're following says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. So we were alone. We wondered. Jesus still healed us. He became leprous, spiritually speaking. And then there's this this beautiful part that all the accounts put in there. And that is this, that Jesus touched the leper. And Jesus could absolutely have cleansed him without any touch whatsoever. He could have just said, made clean. Would have been good enough. I mean, he did that. There are other examples in Scripture of Jesus healing without physically touching in fact, one of the stories we'll look at, the story of the centurion, that guy said, God, I get it. I'm a man under authority. You're a guy in authority. All you have to do is say the word. It'll be done. I don't, you don't have to leave where you are. Just say it. Impressive faith. So why is it that Jesus touches the leper and that the, the writers of the epistles make a point to say that he touched him? I think the simplest lesson is that Jesus wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty with people's lives. People are messy and people bring a lot of baggage with them. And sometimes good people stand back and do nothing because they don't want to get dirty. We we know that especially spiritual leprosy, as far as we understand, doesn't pass from one person to another. But if you're honest, there are times when you see people and you go, it's kind of icky. I don't really want to be around that. I certainly don't want my family around that. That will just infect me. You know people who saw Jesus touch the leper, I mean, immediately the first thought had to be, oh man. What have you done now? Jesus was filled with compassion. And compassion in our world, you know, it's just like as long as I feel good, then I'm compassionate. Now Jesus was truly compassionate. He was actively compassionate. Mark 1 verse 41 says, He filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. Be clean. Jesus' compassion went beyond good intentions, it went beyond rhetoric, it was actionable, it was visible. Everyone there who saw Jesus heal the leper knew, knew, without a doubt, that he loved him. And more than that, that he liked him. I love that verse. I love that he was willing to get himself dirty to make the leper clean. I love that he wasn't afraid to touch the leper. I love that he wasn't afraid to take a chance, to take a risk. May we all be like that. If we to follow Christ, it's time to touch some people. It's time to get our hands dirty. It's time to stop making excuses. The gospel was right there. The gospel today, Jesus isn't physically here, but it's your hands that he needs to work through. All cleaning starts with with someone deciding they don't want to be dirty anymore. Being willing to take that first step. And as people of the, of the Christ, followers of the way, we've got to be people who aren't afraid to take on those who are dirty, take on those who are struggling and who want to be clean. Maybe even they see within us the ability but the question in their mind is, are we willing? My son Christopher, the story goes, is disabled. Although he's 21, about the size, he's about the size of a six-year-old. is the functioning mind of a toddler. He can only walk with assistance. His main ride is a wheelchair, and he doesn't feed himself. Thankfully, he eats regular food, but we have to feed him everything. He doesn't talk, but makes enough noises that we can tell if he's happy, hungry, or not feeling well. We're fortunate, aside from all of that, that for the most part, he is healthy. Happiness in life for him is pretty simple. He loves to eat, he loves to laugh, he loves to play with toys. He loves to swim, kicking around while hanging on a noodle. He loves to watch the bright lights like fireworks. But being the parent of a disabled child causes me to see life differently. I've had to accept that people react inappropriately when they see him because he's different. And they make assumptions based on what they see and what they think. Several years ago, we took Christopher to a local county fair. He likes the animals. He loves to watch the lights and the rides. He likes the bright, fun environment. Near the evening's end, my wife and I were pushing him through the games near to the exit. We tried hard to avoid eye contact with all the carnies challenging us to knock over lead-laden pins or throw darts at balloons. As we kept our pace and ignored all of them, there was one guy we couldn't ignore. He started yelling, Hey, stop! Wait a minute! Oh no, here we go. Glancing back, we saw that this Carney actually had something in his hands. Eventually, he caught up to us. Grinning widely, he said, I think your son dropped this. And he held out a silly stuffed animal we'd never owned. We'd explained that another child must have dropped it. But with a twinkling in his eyes, he winked and he said, I'm sure this belongs to your son. And he pressed it into Christopher's lap. Still smiling, he walked away to our joint thank you Time stood still for a moment as tears filled my eyes and I realized what had just happened. I've been as guilty as anyone stereotyping people who work the carnivals, the carnies, the unclean, sleazy, chain-smoking types. And perhaps there are elements of truth to that stereotype. However, hundreds of people that evening had gawked, ...and ignored our son or simply tried to avoid him. But that carny chased us down to give Christopher a gift. He didn't have to. I never would have expected him to. The simplest of gestures from one person showed me the error of my ways. The animal, an ugly little stuffed orange orangutan... Sits prominently in a place in my son's room and poignantly reminds me not to judge someone based solely on their outward appearance and never to write someone off and not to make assumptions about who they are based on what they do. May we all be like the carny, willing to reach out, willing to touch, willing to heal. May we as Christians not forget our cleansing. Remember that we at one time were unclean, far off, enemies of God. even, And yet we were made clean. Because we have a patient father who loves us. Who doesn't give up on us. And who even if we were the 1%, even if we were the last one, would want us to be cleansed. The lesson tonight for unswerving faith is don't forget your cleansing. If Jesus cleaned you up, if Jesus made you pure inside and out, let that cleansing drive your calling. Peter finishes this way, and we'll close with this. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, To self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone, you see he makes that list there and it seems so impossible like, oh man. He's serious about this. He says, if anyone has, does not have these qualities, he is nearsighted and blind. And has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. May we not forget the lesson of the leper. Jesus not only is able to make us clean, he wants to make us clean. He loves you and he likes you. If you're here tonight, and you've got a case of spiritual leprosy, and you've been holding back, I want to ask you to come to the one who doesn't shy away from the lepers. I want to invite you to immerse yourself into Christ, and then I want to ask you to be a part of a church that I believe is sincere about helping people who are hurting, helping people who are dirty, helping people who've been through some stuff. Because we've all been through that too. If you have a need tonight, please come. As together we stand in sing.